2. I'll be reading Luke 2, verses 21 through 35. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen Yahweh's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Yahweh, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inspired, and historical word. Father, let us see what you intend for us to see because you had your servant Luke pen it. To the glory of your name, work in us, your people. Amen and amen. So here's a big question as we look at this text. How do you look at history? Do you see history just as a secularist, materialist, cause and effect, which, which is true, you know. I, oh, here we go. Let's do that one. There you go. There's an effect, and it was caused. It, but is history merely cause and effect of human decisions etc. Do you see it the way it really is? There's a God who created and a God who is absolutely sovereign and providential over every ebb and flow that is happening in human history. Now, in light of that, do you ever think since the first Christmas, since God became man and came into the world and grew up and 
Jesus for a couple years through his ministry, then is slaughtered on a cross and raised from the dead. Over the last 2,000 years, do you ever think, why, did, why has history unfolded the way it has concerning the Jews and the Gentiles and the gospel of Jesus? Why did it unfold this way? This morning, Simeon will cause us to see all of history as God's history. And that he is in control of it. And so, first, Luke sets up the context. Jesus is born, and on the eighth day, they circumcise him. He officially gets the name that the angel Gabriel said to name him, Jesus. And then, 40 days after his birth, they go up to Jerusalem, seven-mile journey, in order to do the appropriate offerings according to the law and to dedicate their baby son to the Lord, the firstborn son. According to Leviticus chapter 12, when a woman gave birth, she was unclean for seven days. And then after that, for 33 more days, she was going through this purification process. And when that was done, she was to go to the tabernacle or to the temple to offer a lamb as a burnt offering and a turtle dove or a pigeon as a sin offering. Lambs are expensive. So if you're poor, you don't have to do that. You can just offer two turtle doves or two pigeons. And so we pick up in verse 22 of Luke 2. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought their six-week-old baby up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Then... By God's sovereign providence, a guy named Simeon shows up. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen Yahweh's Messiah. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arm and blessed God and said okay first Simeon is seems to be this unknown layman who's filled with the spirit who is very godward he's called righteous he's called devout he believes the bible he believes the prophecies 
particularly the prophecies about the son of David, about the Messiah, the anointed one who was to come and to deliver his people, Israel, the Jews. He's waiting for the consolation. He knows Isaiah text about the comfort that God promises. The peace and the freedom God promises to bring through the anointed one. And he's also revealed to him very intimately and personally, Simeon, you're not going to die before I allow you to see the fulfillment of these prophecies. That's the consolation wrapped up in the Messiah that Simeon had been waiting for. And so, on this day, the Lord guides him. He's in the temple courtyard. They, they move up towards the temple where Joseph and Mary needed to meet the priest to do their thing. And Simeon knows that's them. He walks up to this couple and he says, let me hold your baby. And then he said, with Jesus in his arms. Yahweh, now you are letting your servant depart, die in peace, according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation, that you are prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Oh, sovereign one, he's in my arms. I see it as you promised. That is, I see salvation. That's what he says in verse 3. My eyes have seen your salvation. This is in this baby salvation personified. In the ears of his, of his parents, Mary and Joseph, he says, your child is the fulfillment of all of the Hebrew prophets. What they're pointing to, he is now here, this salvation has arrived in a human being, in this six-week-old human being. And that baby that he's holding will grow up, and he'll, he'll say this one day in Luke chapter 10, and then turning to his disciples, he said privately to them, Blessed are your eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and they did not see it. And to hear what you hear, he means from his own mouth. And they did not hear it. Simeon saw him at six weeks old. In his mid-30s, his disciples are seeing him. 
this salvation personified in this baby is God's design. Simeon says that you have prepared, Lord, in the presence of all peoples. And more specifically in verse 32, this is what he says now. Deep theology here. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. And a light for glory to your people, Israel. He is not saying Jesus is a light to the Gentiles. And He is glory to Israel. He's saying He's the light. The light of salvation has come. And there are two results of that. One result is revelation to the non-Jews. And the second result is of that light, glory to God's people, Israel. That's what he says. And it's important. So let's follow Biblical revelation closely. Simeon says that the light of Jesus is for revelation to the world. The non-Jews. And it is even more than that for Israel, the Jews. He's Israel's glory. So, Clearly the Holy Spirit has Simeon say this. And most likely clearly in Simeon's mind, a Bible guy, they're referring to Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3. 700 years before the birth of this Jesus. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of Yahweh has risen upon you, Israel. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But Yahweh will arise upon you and His glory will be seen upon you and Gentiles shall come to your light. The coming of the light of the Messiah to Israel is to draw attention to all the nations of the world through Israel. The Jews who have a special redemptive task at the heart of what makes the nations unique is that their salvation comes through Israel. And this point is explicit and it's central in the New Testament. As Paul writes in Romans 9, 3-5, For I could wish that I myself 
he himself is a Jew, were cursed and cut off from the Messiah for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Messiah, who is God over all. Blessed forever. Amen. This Light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine on every tribe, nation, people, language. And from that light, it comes from the people, Israel. The light is the glory, shining radiating out from Israel. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah who comes as the very glory of Israel, radiating outward to bring revelation, revealing God's redemptive plan to the nations, Listen to how clearly Isaiah says this 700 years before Christ is born. In Isaiah 49, verse 6. Referring to the Jews, referring to Israel, Judah. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. I mean, that's just too small. That's too little. And to bring back the preserved of Israel... It's too light, too small of a thing. I will make you, Israel, as a light for the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. It was always God's plan to send the gospel to the world. Before he ever created everything, has been orchestrated. And he always planned to send salvation through and himself as a Jew. And to preach that salvation first to the Jews. And then from them to reflect outward to the rest of the world and ethnicities and languages. That's God's loving mercy and the way He had always planned it and has been and is carrying it out. He chooses Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the twelve sons and changes Jacob's name to Israel. He has a particular people group that He chose. And through them, he will come and tabernacle among us. And through them, the Jews, he will radiate outward through this Messiah to the rest of the world. 
to save people from every tongue and tribe and nation. And so, so far what Simeon gives us here seems pretty simple. Jew, Gentile, it's clear, it's concise. It's clear in the Old Testament, it's clear in Simeon's prophecy. But now for 2,000 years, it's complex. And it has created tension. 2,000 years of church history since the coming of this baby. It's not so simple. Which as we read on now in Simeon is what he predicted. Verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall of many in Israel. Your child is appointed for the, for the rise of many. In Israel. This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. He is appointed to be a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary. All of this so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So Simeon just summed up Jesus' life and his ministry with two images. He is destined, he is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign has come into the world that will have much opposition to be opposed. God, here's one reason God sent Jesus. He sent him in order to cause many people to stumble and to fall flat on their face in unbelief. And he sent him so that others, even within Israel, will rise to receive him and have life. So again, Simeon here, when he says this, by the Holy Spirit, he's drawing from Isaiah the prophet, where God, through Isaiah, made the promise that I am going to send one. I'm going to plant a stone. I'm going to build a temple off of him. 
an eternal temple. I'm going to bring this massive corner stone to build a building. And it will cause many in Israel to fall flat on their faces. And that same foundation stone, that cornerstone, will be great news to those who trust in Him. So let's just hear it a little bit from what was prophesied long before Simeon showed up. Isaiah 8, verses 14 to 15, quote, And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel. He, he will become a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many will stumble on it. They will fall and be broken. Oh, this child is appointed for the fall of many. Isaiah 28, verse 14 to 16. Therefore, hear the word of Yahweh, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem. Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be disappointed. Wow. What a wonderful promise. And so not only does Simeon pick up on these passages saying that Jesus is the cornerstone that will cause many Jews to stumble and to fall and also to rise and be saved. But that, right there, from Isaiah, what Simeon is saying, this is repeated throughout the New Testament. So, for instance, when this six-week-old baby grows up, this is what he said in Luke 20 as he finishes the parable. And the Jews, they hear it, and they know what that story meant. He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. To non-Jews. When they heard this, they said, No way! Surely not! But Jesus looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? And he quotes Psalm 118. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And Jesus goes on. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. A few years later, Paul writes in Romans 9. 
What shall we say then? Beginning at verse 30. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based. On works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, and he quotes Isaiah 28. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Then the Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter Chapter 2 quotes Isaiah 28, beginning with verse 6. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. And then Peter says, so the honor is for you who, who believe. But for those who do not believe, and then he quotes Psalm 118. For those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And, and now he quotes Isaiah 8, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to I, it's Christmas message, but Simeon said it. And thus it's important to grasp as believers. Christmas is divisive. Real Christmas is divisive. Because Jesus is a divisive. He divides people into two groups. Those who stumble and fall flat on their faces in rejection of Him. And those who rise and become part of His building of which He is the foundational stone. Throughout Jesus' minister, we all know that I consider and quote again and again and again and again about the opposition, right? He goes home to Nazareth, says a few words after reading the scripture, and what do they want to do? They want to throw him off a hill and kill him. And he said privately to his own disciples, Are you, if you, you follow me, I'm telling you, the world, the cultures, People you live around, the world will hate you because of me, the divisive figure. 36 to 37 years earlier than Jesus saying those words, Simeon held him in his arms. And he said, to his mother. 
behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. He is appointed to be a sign that is opposed, spoken against, hated. Jesus is a sign of opposition to the hard-hearted. With Simeon's words here, it's clear that not all is going to go smoothly for this six-week-old baby. In his life, in his ministry. And, and what Simeon goes on to say to his mom confirms it. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also. This opposition refers to his whole life, all the division. Maybe, maybe somewhat even one day when your mom and your, your siblings, they're, they're, they want to talk to you, who is my mother and my brother and my sister? Those who do the will of my father. And all of it, of course, culminates in his brutal, torturous execution. He is assigned to be opposed, and it has not stopped yet. And then finally, Simeon, though, he gets to the purpose of all that. The purpose of Jesus' life, his incarnation that divides with these last words in verse 35. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus' life, His death, His message, the gospel of His resurrection from the dead, it reveals where people's hearts are toward the one true God. Starting with Israel, starting with each and every individual Jew, Jesus is the litmus test for whether they really believe in this God, in these Hebrew Scriptures, whether you really believe because He has fulfilled them in this person. He is the litmus test of true relations with God as a father to you. So to the Jew, do you believe the Scriptures or not? Do you have genuine faith in the God of Israel or not? We know by one's response to the stone. Construction of an eternal building. 
And so what we have in these short little words of Simeon is this massive, big, redemptive picture. We have this massive theology of how God is doing redemptive history. So let me just throw it out there again, just in the nutshell of what what, what is Christmas inaugurating? Well, Israel was promised, the Jews were promised the light of the Messiah to come and to be Israel's glory. And we saw last week with John the Baptist's dad in that prophecy fulfilling the Old Testament that, yes, the Messiah has arrived. Salvation is here. The Son of David will reign as King and He will fulfill the promises and destroy all the enemies of Israel. But that's not what happened. It hadn't happened yet. It didn't happen at Jesus' first coming. From within Israel, God became incarnate. And He laid a foundation. It's being constructed. Laid the cornerstone of this eternal temple. And so far, from 2,000 years ago to today, for the most part, the Jews have tripped, fallen flat on their faces over him, rejecting their Messiah. Jesus was sent to be a sign that is opposed. This was by design. God's purpose was that by the means of Israel as a whole, the vast majority of their rejection of salvation, this Jesus is salvation, their rejection of this salvation, God's plan had always been, now through that, I'm going to go to the rest of the world. The Gentiles. This is how Paul said that in Romans 11. Referring to Israel, God gave them a spirit of stupor. Eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day that he's writing it. And then Paul says, so I ask, did they, did Israel stumble in order that they might fall? And that just it? Answer, no, by no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the rest of the world, which it does, and if their failure 
to recognize him, and thus they reject him. If that means riches for the Gentiles, then Paul says, how much more will their, their, the Jews' full inclusion mean? Which will happen one day. So in rejecting their Messiah for the last 2,000 years now, the result is that God's grace has been flooding the nations. But do not ever, ever think that that gives any grounds for the Antichrist teaching. For the demonic belief or philosophy or, or way of life called anti-Semitism. It gives no grounds for it. Don't ever think that it makes Gentiles who believe in Jesus, the Messiah, somehow inherently better than Messiah-rejecting Jews. No, it doesn't. Because if you understand the gospel, it is only by God's grace that you do believe. So, in fact, God's not done with Israel. He's not done with physical Israel. He's not done with the Jewish people. Paul goes on in Romans 11 to say, yes, a partial hardening of the heart has come upon Israel. Next word is key. Until, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written in Isaiah 59, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them. When I take away their sins. So this means that there is a time when, quote, the times of the Gentiles, which we've been in for 2,000 years, there's a time when that will end. And then in God's grace, it'll be poured out upon the Jews in an unprecedented way. And they will be born again and receive the only Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after that, Jesus will come back. He'll fulfill Zechariah's prophecy. He will destroy all the enemies of Israel. And so Paul concludes this way in Romans 11 on it. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, Gentile believer. But as regards election, they, Israel, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of 
the Jews' disobedience. So they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may receive mercy. For God has consigned or imprisoned, locked up all people, Jew and Gentile, locked up all to disobedience in order that he may have mercy on all. This is our New Testament. This is the Bible. God reveals what he wants to reveal about the way he works. And so no wonder this obscure old saint holds this six-week-year-old baby in his arms. And he says, he is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall. And then the rising of many in Israel. So, whether by God's grace you're a remnant Jew, Andrew, with the rest of us Gentiles who do not stumble and fall over the Messiah, but by God's grace the light has shone in our hearts. Then again this week, this Christmas week, Then again, in the rising and coming persecution, because you belong to the marked one who is to be opposed, all the more we, Jew or Gentile, in Christ should be amazed and overwhelmed at God's undeserved mercy to us. You wake up and realize once again, I believe. I believe in you. I believe the gospel. And so in the midst also of our daily trials, trials of grief, all kinds of experiences that can come right out of the blue when we feel alienated from God, whether it's financial or marital or relational struggles, we should say with Paul concerning this glorious plan of salvation of which we find ourselves a part. And I close with these words of Paul. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? No one. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this whole counsel, all the, the wisdom of redemptive history, 
and that you do what you want to do at all times, even when you wanted to go to your servant Simeon and say, Simeon, I'm going to let you see the Messiah before you die. And the way that you work in all of your children's individual lives in such tender, merciful ways. For it was one thing throughout centuries that you spoke to us through the prophets. But now for 2,000 years, you have come to us and spoken to us personally in your son. And Lord Jesus, after your resurrection and ascension, you have sent of the Spirit. That we do cry, Abba, Father, oh, what mercy, Lord, thank you. Be glorified in us. Be glorified in this closing time, in this closing song. Rise up. Rise up. Encourage the hearts that are downtrodden to the glory of your name.